inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life like it matters. And today we're excited to be in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, We start class tonight, uh, Leadership Awakening. We have uh, 14 individuals that will walk in that classroom tonight at uh, 6.30 we'll start. Uh, And uh, within 48 hours, actually less than, uh, they will become brand new. Why? Because we go to the source, we go to the core, we go to the base, we go to the BS Yeah, not the stuff you step in in the pastures out there in Texas. No, I'm talking about belief system. And what's happened in America, what's happening in our families, what's happening in our communities, what's happening in our country, really comes down to our BS, our belief system. And today on Like It Matters Radio, we're going to talk about rules of civility, 110. Rules of civility, 110. You know, we call freshman level classes 101, and I think rules of civility are pretty close to just basic rules that every, quote, freshman in life should understand. But instead of 101, we're calling it 110. Why? Because today, we're going to focus in on George Washington's rules of civility and decent behavior. No, it was said about George Washington in the time that he lived and ruled and reigned, it said, quote, it may be, truly be said that never did nature and fortune combine more perfectly to make a great man. Talk about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson about the year 1814. See, by age 16, George Washington had copied out a hand. Copied out by hand. 110 rules of civility and decent behavior in company and conversation. They are based on a set of rules composed by French Jesuits in 1595. Presumably, they were copied out as part of an exercise in penmanship assigned by young Washington schoolmaster. The first English translations of the French rules appeared in 1640 and are ascribed to Francis Hawkins, the 12-year-old son of a doctor. Richard Brookheiser, in his book on Washington, wrote all modern manners in the Western world were originally aristocratic. Courtesy meant behavior appropriate to a court. Chivalry comes from a chevalier, a knight. Yet Washington was dedicated, and he dedicated himself to freeing America from a court's control. Could manners survive the operation? And without realizing it, the Jesuits who wrote them and the young man who copied them were outlining and absorbing a system of courtesy appropriate to equals and near equals. When the company for whom the decent behavior was to be performed, expanded to a nation. Think about this. Washington was ready. Why? He'd been preparing. And Parson Williams got it right when he wrote that it was no wonder everybody honored him who honored everybody. And so as we get started today, I want to start with one of my favorite stories. I haven't told this for a while because it really does come down to rules of civility and decent behavior. I heard the story secondhand from another person, 
It's the story about this lady. And in his words, this is how she told the story to him. The gentleman said, I was at the corner grocery store buying some early potatoes. I noticed a small boy, delicate of bone and feature, ragged but clean, hungrily apprising a basket of freshly picked green beans. I paid for my potatoes, but was also drawn to the display of fresh green beans. I'm a pushover of cream, peas, and new potatoes. Pondering the peas, I couldn't help overhearing the conversation between Mr. Miller, who was the store owner, and the ragged boy next to me. Hello, Barry. How you doing today? Hello, Mr. Miller. Fine, thank you. Just admiring them peas. Sure look good. They are good, Barry. How's your ma? Fine. Getting stronger all the time. Good. Anything I can help you with, Barry? Pauses. Uh, no, sir. Just, just admiring them peas. Would you like to take some home, Barry? Asked Mr. Miller. No, sir. Got nothing to pay for them with. Well, what have you to trade me for some of those peas, Barry? All I got is my prize marble here. Is that right? Let me see it, said Mr. Miller. Here it is. She's a dandy. I can see that, Barry. Hmm. Only thing is this one's blue. And I sort of go for red. Do you, do you have a red one like this at home, Barry? Barry said, well, not exactly, but almost. Tell you what, Barry, take this sack of peas home with you, and next trip this way, let me look at that red marble, Mr. Miller told the boy. Sure will. Thanks, Mr. Miller. And Barry left. See, Miss Miller, who had been standing nearby, came over to help me. With a smile, she said, there, there are two other boys like him in our community. All three are in very poor circumstances. Jim just loves to bargain with them for peas, apples, tomatoes, or whatever they need. When they come back with their red marbles, and they always do, he decides he doesn't like red after all, and he sends them home with a bag of produce for a green marble or an orange one. And again, when they come back on the next trip to the store, you got my point? Man, I'll never forget, I left that store smiling to myself, impressed with this man and how he treated people. A short time later, I moved to Colorado, but I never forgot the story of this man, the boys, and their bartering for marbles. Several years went by, I didn't think about it much, just occasionally, and each happened more rapid than the previous one. You know how time flies. And just recently, I had occasion to visit some old friends in that Idaho community. And while I was there, I learned that Mr. Miller had died. They were having his visitation that evening, and, and knowing my friends wanted to go, I agreed I would accompany them as well and give my wishes to the missus. Upon arrival at the mortuary, we fell into line to meet the relatives of the deceased and to offer whatever words of comfort we could. Ahead of us in line were three young men. One was in an army uniform. The other two were nice haircuts, dark suits, white shirts. All looked impeccable, very professional. They approached Mrs. Miller, standing composed and smiling by her husband's casket. Each of the young men hugged her, kissed her on the cheek, spoke briefly with her, and moved on to the casket. Her misty light blue eyes followed them as one by one each young man stopped briefly and placed his own warm hand over the cold pale hand in the casket. Each left the mortuary awkwardly, crying, wiping away the tears. Our turn came to meet Miss Miller. I told her who I was and reminded her of the story from those many years ago 
and what she had told me about her husband's bartering for marbles. With her eyes glistening, she took my hand and led me to the casket. Those three young men you just saw who just left, they were the boys I told you about a long time ago. They just told me how they appreciated the things that, that Jim traded them for. Now, at last, when Jim could not change his mind about color or size, they came to pay their debt. We never had a great deal of wealth in this world, she confided. But right now, Jim would consider himself the richest man in Idaho. With loving gentleness, she lifted the lifeless fingers of her deceased husband. Resting underneath were three exquisitely shined red marbles. You know, I love that story for lots of reasons. But etiquette, the manners, the compassion of Mr. Miller, the love and respect of her husband by Miss Miller, these three young boys, most likely of color, it sounds like it, right? Of color, who had nothing. Maybe in society didn't think much of them. Maybe they had to drink at different water fountains. Maybe they had to eat at different table. But you know what? Mr. Miller saw them as they were. Mr. Miller saw them as living, breathing human beings. Saw them as creations of God, if not children of God. And knows the proper manners. Knows the proper respect of God's creation. Who knows the rules of civility. How to treat each other. The question we're going to pose today, do you know the rules of civility and decent behavior? And what has happened to the ethos of this country? When you don't read about respect and admiration anymore, you hear about pain and destruction, abandonment of all normal norms of society. And so today on Like It Matters Radio, we're going to talk about rules of civility 110. Why? Because it matters, just like you in your life. I'm Black. We'll be right back. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Live in life like it matters. Your hour of power. Where we work on the one organ in our body that never has to lose its ability. We, we have the human brain that has unlimited plasticity. Every other organ in our body has a deterioration factor. There are so many breaths in your lungs. There are so many beats of your heart. There's so much filtration of your kidneys and your liver. But your brain has unlimited plasticity. But if you don't use it, you will lose it. It is the law of atrophy. Uh, it is the law of gravity. 
laws. Laws are repeated things that basically tell you an outcome uh, based on what you do. It's the ultimate conditional statement. If A, then B. Right? Those are what we call belief systems. And the way we construct these belief systems is through experience, through making meaning of our past. That's what the study of logotherapy is, right? Logotherapy is about man's will to meaning. And we are little meaning makers. We're always working to figure everything out. Don't you know what religion is? Religion is man's attempt to figure out God, to figure out a formula, to figure out a, pan, a plan, to figure out a pattern so that they can just go on autopilot with God like they do with their wives, like they do with their husbands, like they do with their kids, like they do with everything else in life. Because we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. The rest is unconscious. We're still using it. But it's on autopilot. It's driven by programs that have been in place. And it's the unconscious mind. And the unconscious mind runs the ship. If you're going to make any lasting change, you must follow the rules of the unconscious mind. And we are habitual creatures. We are habit-forming creatures. Look up the basal ganglia. The basal ganglia is part of the unconscious brain. And it is the brain's, uh, how do you put this, pattern center, habit center. And its job of the basal ganglia is to get you into a habit as quick as possible. Why? To take it from the conscious to the unconscious. See, what a habit is, is something that you start doing consciously, and then you continue doing it unconsciously. My brother's the 10th degree black belt. He owns uh, United Studios of Self-Defense. He owns karate studios. Used to be all over the country. They might now just be in Vegas, not sure. But my brother does these katas. I'm a purple belt. I haven't studied for about a decade or two. But um, uh, you do the same katas, the same paddles, uh, patterns over and over and over and over and over. Why? Because they become second nature. Do you hear that? Second nature. They become a part of your belief system. They become habitual. They become things that you started doing consciously and you kept doing unconsciously. It's for me. When I see someone coming up to a door that I'm approaching, I'm going to open the door, hold it open for them, and let them go before me. I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. I don't care if it's transgender, cisgender, LGBTQ, RXYZ. I don't care who they share their bed with. None of that matters. Why? Because we call that programming. I was raised with manners. Remember, I'm an etymologist by training. I love words. And yesterday I shared with you that uh, Oxford Dictionary unveils the 2022 word of the year. It's goblin mode. Now, I've never heard. I've heard of goblin. I've heard of mode. But I've never heard the phrase goblin mode. And yet, it is Oxford Dictionary's 2022 word of the year. Why? Why does this matter? Because... For the first time ever, this year's winning phrase was chosen by a public vote. From among three finalists selected by Oxford Language's lexicographers, Goblin Mode, Metaverse, and the hashtag I stand with. Now, I know what Metaverse is, and I understand the hashtag I stand with. I never heard of Goblin Mode. It's fascinating. shows you really... When this last election, we were wondering how possibly could the Democrats get rewarded for how pathetic our country is. 
what's going on? I mean, it's disintegrating. And yet they just basically rewarded the people in charge by reelecting them. And I'm like, it has to be fraud. But maybe, what if? Maybe. The messages being sent out there, the messages becoming second nature, the messages of this world, which I have personally and, and consciously disengaged from, are loud and clear. Fear runs things. Abortion, the most important desire in the world. Why? Because unconsequential sex. That's the most important thing to women, to men today in America, is non-consequential sex. That's why we're in the mess we're in. That's why even people that are attempting to get our kids at five and six years old, your parents, you still vote for the one thing that you think is most important. That's non-consequential sex, because that's the only reason to vote Democrat. I don't know why else someone would. And so it's fascinating that there's this other reality going on there that most of us don't aren't aware of. Now, those of you in the world, those of you of the world, those of you that are, are children of the world, you think everything's going good. No big deal, just a couple little hiccups here and there. But why I bring up this word about goblin mode is the way it's explained. Now, I got this from Oxford Dictionary. Uh, and also got it, believe it or not, Al Jazeera. Part of this came from Al Jazeera. They both were referring to the same thing. So goblin mode refers to a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent. Lazy, slovenly, greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. Wow. I just want you to get this. We become what we focus on most often. The good Lord put the eyes on the front of our face because we move in the direction of our focus and we focus in the direction of our movement. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about what is your prime focus? What is your deepest desire, your biggest fear? What occupies your time most often? That's what he's talking about. Goblin mode, the number one word of the year, the word of the year 2022, the first word ever chosen by outsiders. For the first time, this year's winning phrase was chosen by a public vote from among three finalists selected by Oxford Languages lexicographers. Just fascinating. What does it mean? Sad. A type of behavior which is unapologetically. I don't feel bad about it. I'm not going to apologize for it. It's just the way it is. That's what unapologetically means. A type of behavior which is self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, one of the seven deadly sins, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms. Don't tell me how to act. Don't tell me what to do with my body. Don't tell me what I can say or can't say or expectations. According to the Oxford Dictionary's official word of 2023 is goblin mode. Huh. Given the year we just experienced, goblin mode resonates with all of us who are feeling a little overwhelmed at this point. This is what uh, Oxford Languages president Casper Grathwall told reporters. While Oxford typically selects the words of the year internally, the organization opened the choice up to an internet vote for the first time this year. Histor historically fraught decision. Oxford instructed voters to choose a word that sums up the ethos, mood, or preoccupations of the past 12 months. 
the ethos, mood, or preoccupations, our focus. What has our focus been of the last 12 months? Based on this, it says a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. Fascinating. Now, the competition ultimately came down to three choices, Goblin Mode, Metaverse, and Hashtag I Stand With. Goblin Mode won with 93% of more than 340,000 votes. So 275,000 people cast votes for this phrase called Goblin Mode. You know, by the way, last year's vote, uh, last year's uh, was uh, word was Vax. Interesting. And by the way, Merriam-Webster selected gaslighting as the word this year. Gaslighting. It defines the term as a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy. No, that's not gaslighting. That is goblin mode. But gaslighting is fascinating because it's about making people believe something they aren't willing to believe. And notice how now we're talking about goblin mode. Mm-hmm. First seen on Twitter in 2009, so it's a, 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 it's only, you know, 13 years old. First seen on Twitter in 2009, Goblin Mode gained popularity in 2022 as people around the world emerged with uncertainty from lockdowns made compulsory uh, because of COVID-19 pandemic. Quote, it's a relief to acknowledge that we're not always the idealized, curated selves that we're encouraged to present on our Instagram and TikTok feeds, he continued. Grathwell pointed to the rise of platforms such as Be Real, where users share images of their unedited selves, often capturing self-indulgent moments in the goblin mode. People are embracing their inner goblin, and voters choosing goblin mode as the word of the year tells us the concept is likely here to stay. Again, people embracing their inner goblin. What are they talking about? A type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. Stunning. The word of the year is intended to reflect the ethos, mood, or preoccupations of the past 12 months. Now, ethos, a word I hear a lot of, and a lot of people, again, use words all the time. They have no idea what they're using. So what is an ethos? It is the characteristic spirit of a culture, era, or community as manifested in its beliefs and aspirations. Ethos is the belief system. And what's different about America today and America a long time ago? is what we believe, our core values. When I was a kid, we were taught good manners. We were taught respect. When George Washington was a kid, he learned 110 rules of civility and decent behavior. And again, it's time to go back to the basics. If you don't like what you're getting, do something different because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Elections have consequences. Choice have consequences. So if you don't like what you're getting, then start doing something different. So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about rules of civility 110. We'll be back after these commercial messages. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. 
Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters. This is Mr. Black enjoying the beautiful weather here in the Twin Cities. I'm in Minneapolis to do a leadership awakening. Uh, tonight we start class and uh, on Saturday at 3.30 there'll be a public graduation. We'd love to see if you're in the Twin Cities area. Come out at 3.30. It's about an hour graduation. You'll be inspired. You'll be motivated. Go to likeitmatters.net to check out where to be, but it's Saturday at 3.30. I'm pretty sure it's at the Hyatt there in uh, Minneapolis. But if you want to live your life like it matters, if you want to have some hope and inspiration, then go to likeitmatters.net. You'll uh, you'll find what you're looking for. And uh, our last class starts tonight of the year. Uh, and then we have a full schedule into the first quarter of next year already. So go to likeitmatters.net. What a great way to start off the new year, uh, getting cleaned up. Getting the mind set right, getting the heart cleaned up and resuscitated, having a clear vision, knowing where you're at now, knowing where you're going, and knowing what's it going to take to get there and how long. But along the journey, we're going to encounter people. Along the journey, we're going to create experiences. Along the journey, we're going to create a narrative. Along the journey, we're going to have a chance to make an impact. Along the journey, we're going to have to make a series of choices. And we have been made to be unconscious creatures. The greatest commandment in the Bible, I believe, uh, I, I technically probably couldn't prove this, haven't done the research, but I feel pretty safe saying it. The number one most commanded thing in the Bible by God to his children is to remember. To remember we are so easily distracted. To remember shiny object squirrel. To remember that we have 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. To remember that we have about 34 gigabytes of information that goes through our head each day. To remember that we are deaf, numb, and blind. We look, but we're so busy judging people, we can't see them. We hear, we have the gift of hearing, but we're so wrapped up in our thirty to 60,000 conversations that we miss people right in front of us all the time. We're not, we might be hearing them, but we're not listening to them. And right now, as you listen to me, you're all touching something, a steering wheel, your book, a hand, something. But let's be honest. You haven't experienced things or, or felt anything else of anger or frustration in a long, long time. And so today, I want to suggest that practice is all about preparation. And preparation is all about being prepared. And being prepared allows you to make decisions in the now moment that are congruent with your mission, with your vision, with your purpose, with your reason why. And so I want to focus in on George Washington. You know, talk about the founding 
fathers talk about General Washington, how he led uh, basically a group of men without proper uniforms, without proper equipment, to basically rebel against the, the power of the world at that time, Britain. And, you know, today we're ripping down um, statues where we're changing the names of schools that were named after our founding fathers because what we're doing is taking presentism. It's called presentism. We're taking today's values, today's ethos, today's beliefs, and what we're doing is we're taking that frame and we're looking back 200 years ago. And if you take that frame and look at the Bible, you'll stop reading the Bible. Oh my gosh, there's lust, there's incest, there's murder, there's rape, uh, there's adultery, uh, there's torture, there's molestation, uh, there's um, uh, mutilation, there's dismemberment. I mean, all that's in the Bible. And yet, if you looked at it with today's eyes, uh, oh my gosh, I mean, you can't do that. Historians have never done that because they know that it would taint history. You can't have a proper look at history, and yet we do that today. And so I believe the founding fathers were men. Like Romans 3.23 says, all fall short of the glory of God. All men, all women, all are in need of a Savior. Whether you're Mother Teresa, whether you're the Pope, you're Scott Black, or you're Lister A. We all have the same disease. It's called flesh. It's called sin. And we need to be absolved from that. And so George Washington is a, is a great example of leadership. And by age 16, George Washington had copied out by hand 110 rules of civility. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, I think it's 4 through 9. Because we got to remember, God told the, the Jews, that, hey, uh, make sure you tell your children this all the time, all the things that God has done for you. Write them down. Keep them on your eyelids. Keep them on the doorpost of your house. When you're going to a place, talk about them. When you're going from a place, talk about them. When you're sitting down to sup, talk about them. When you're laying down to rest, talk about them. Why? Because what we listen to over and over and over, we believe. The good Lord put the eyes in the front of our face because we look in the direction of our movement and we move in the direction of our focus. By the age of 16, George Washington had copied out by hand 110 rules of civility and decent behavior in company and conversation. They are based on a set of rules composed by the French Jesuits in 1595. Presumably, they were copied out as part of an exercise in penmanship assigned by young Washington schoolmaster. Remember the old days when we actually had to actually learn stuff and not tell teachers what we wanted to learn? The first English translation of the French rules appeared in 1640 and are ascribed to Francis Hawkins, the 12-year-old son of a doctor. It's amazing. So, etiquette. Etiquette, right? Rules of civilian decent behavior is called etiquette. The customs or rules governing behavior regarding as correct, regarded as correct or acceptable in social or official life. Wow. What we deem as acceptable today is absolutely stunning. Saw a teacher in California that she's teaching uh, kids that good grammar is uh, white supremacy. Yeah, is racism. That you've got to let uh, other people talk in whatever they want, any way they want. Because that's their native tongue. So she believes now that certain people 
uh, can't talk normal English, that they have to make up their own language because they can't fit in. So, and yet I'm the racist one. I think we're seeing who's racist here. But it's fascinating because what we believe today, why does that matter? Because everything we do or do not do is driven by a belief system. So it's my world. The most famous picture is a selfie. We'll sell our soul. We'll take pictures of ourselves having sex, you know, like Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian, so we can become famous and we'll have followers and then we'll post little nude pictures every once in a while on our TikTok and Instagram and then we'll have more followers because it's all about me. It's the me time. And rules of civilian decent behavior in a world that's all about me are incongruent. Don't you get it? Sociology, etiquette is the customs or rules governing behavior regarded as correct or acceptable in social life. A conventional but unwritten code of practice followed by members of any certain profession or groups. Isn't that amazing? That's etiquette. Conventional requirement as to proper social behavior, right? How do we act in society, right? A prescribed code of usage in matters of ceremony. The code of ethical behavior among the members of a profession. So what are these rules? I went through them 110. I'm not going to go through all of them. We don't have that much time. But if you want them, email me at mrblack at likeitmattersradio.com. I'll get them to you. So let's just go through these. I'll start at the top. There's 110 of them. Rule number one, every action done in company ought to be with some sign of respect. See, as I go through these, I've scanned through them. I haven't read every single one of them. They're in, uh, you know, interesting language. It's like reading the Bible in the, in the King James Version, right? Interesting poetic language, but sometimes hard to understand. But it really do does come down to respect. It comes down to awareness of, to those that are present, holding yourself accountable to a standard. And that's why, what is your standard? I, I share all the time that my standard is the Bible. I'm a flawed man. I'm not perfect. You don't need to have the same standard as me, but you need to have a standard if, if, that's the conditional same, if you want to live your life like it matters, not by chance, not by random acts, but like it matters. So number one, the first rule on how to treat people, number one, every action done in company ought to be done with some sign of respect to those that are present. While respect is something we don't have in America anymore, we demand justice. We're cool with fraudulent elections as long as our guy wins. But hey, um, nah, it's my world. I'll act as I want to act. Number two, when in company, put not your hands to any part of the body not usually discovered. Isn't that amazing? And today, the cool thing is, because you know we're all just animals, right? We walk around with our hands touching our groin, with our hands in our pants. We walk around with our hands down to our knees, our butts showing uh, our underwear sticking out. Our underwear is not part of the outward attire. But rule number two, a proper etiquette, civil society, decent behavior. When in company, put not your hands to any part of the body not usually discovered. How about number three? Show nothing to your friend that might affright him. Wow. Show nothing to your friend that might affright him. Number four, in the presence of others, sing not to yourself with a humming noise, nor drum with your fingers or feet. Why? Because you're excluding people. When you're with people, don't exclude them. That's what's saying. Number five, if you cough, sneeze, sigh, or yawn, do it not loud, but privately. And speak not in your yawning, but put your handkerchief or hand before your face and turn aside. These are basic manners. Six, sleep not when others speak. Some of you listen to me, those going with my training. <laughs> sleep not when others speak. Sit not when others stand. Speak not when you should hold your peace. Walk not 
on when others stop. See, match and model, pace and lead. Don't be a stumbling block to your brother. Anybody see this? These are values that come from the Bible. Put not off your clothes in the presence of others, nor go out of your chamber half-dressed. At play and at fire, it's good manners to give place to the last comer and affect not to speak louder than ordinary. Spit not in the fire, nor stoop low before it, neither put your hands into the flames to warm them, nor set your feet upon the fire, especially if there be meat before it. In other words, don't put your stinky, dirty feet next to people's food. You know what? 110 of them, this is what they're like. They're called manners. They're called rules for civility and decent behavior. And that's what's different about America today. That's what's different about how we're raising people today. Doesn't exist. And so today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about... The Rules of Civility 110. After the break, we're going to talk about nine good manners parents must teach their children. We'll be right back. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters. Today, we're getting civil. Today, we are getting our manners on. Today, we are talking about how we should treat one another. You know, in the olden days, talking about the days of George Washington, we were talking about how he memorized, wrote out over and over and over the 110 rules of civility and decent behavior that were put out by French Jesuits in the 1500s. This is what he did. There are some countries where people memorize the Quran in Arabic by the time they're six and seven years old. The problem is they don't speak Arabic. So they memorize something and recite it from memory like a song, but don't know the words they're saying. The same thing. Some of us have parents that had manners and we grew up with manners, but now we're not applying them. It's like it's a totally different language. Like we're saying the words, but we don't know what they mean. And look at how we treat each other. Look at how we push each other in front of oncoming trains. Look at how we use people for our own uh, devices. Look at how in relationships we can get what we want and then just basically walk out on the other person. The number one cause for divorce in this country is marriage. Because people say they do, but they mean, I'll try. People say they will, but they have no intent on doing it. People saying, trust me, and you never should have. People say words all the time that they don't mean because we no longer have manners. We no longer believe in a truth. We no longer think that we should change our behavior to fit in. I'm just the way I am. Accept me the way I am. That's what the whole LGBTQT thing is. That's what the whole cis, uh, anti-cisgender and anti-masculinity uh, Want to turn everything upside down, what's wrong is right, what's good is bad, push it on a pool door. There's a great song by King and Country, I highly recommend it, oh, years ago, pushing on a pool door. Some of us are beating our heads against the wall, feels like we're pushing on a pool door. 
And part of it is because we've lost a sense of humanity, civility, to treat people the way we want to be treated, to give people the benefit of the doubt. And it starts with our kids. You know why we're in the mess we're in? Because young people got scared. Because young people now are afraid of everything. Because the government's told them that your God is the government, and I'm the only one that's going to protect you. So now young people just listen to lies, listen to the hatred of, of the, the current administration, making half the country uh, basically enemies of the state, threatening people to where they're panicking. The, the world's going to end global warming. There's nuclear war coming with Ukraine. Uh, the Republicans are going to take away your, your chance to have uh, sex whenever you want. And so keep voting for people who are destroying your country. Keep voting for people who are disintegrating it from within. Because, hey, we're here to protect you. I'm with the government. I'm here to help. What Ronald Reagan says was the seven or nine worst words that you could ever hear. So this last segment, what I want you to do is share an article, Nine Good Manners Parents Should Teach Their Children. Leaders, you need to teach your kids. This is foundational. And we don't teach this anymore. We just teach them, hey, you act as way you want. If someone doesn't like it, that's because they're a racist. It's because they're a bigot. Because they're a homophobe. What about us? It's time that we start changing our actions. It's time that we start holding ourselves to a higher standard. It's time that we quit accepting good enough. Good enough to get by. Good enough for government work. Good enough for a country that's running away from God. So here are nine good manners parents must teach their children. Great article. Number one, greeting people. Greet people when they come in the room. And this is one of the things when I get me mad at somebody, I can come in the room and not greet them. This is wrong. Going through this made me realize how much I've let go of and then justified it. We live in a world where we can justify anything. Number one, greeting people. Children are so immersed in the world. I hate to say children, people are so immersed in the world. They forget to greet one another. Children should say hello to their grandparents when they walk in the room or anybody else. Also teaches children how to be social. They learn how to respect other people, right? Where's the respect? There is no respect anymore. The Bible's clear that women, you are to respect your husbands. Men, you are to love your wives like Christ loved the church. In other words, men, love them even when they're not lovable. That's what God says because that's what he does to us. But women are called to respect their husbands. Why? Because to many men, and I would say many people, Respect is love. Number two, please and thank yous, right? This is one of the most important manners parents should teach their children. When children are very young, they can be taught how to say please and thank you. At any time, we do this over and over with our kids. You should be doing this to everybody. If someone does something for you, whether you want it or not, please and then thank you. Every time a parent does something for them, they can be taught to say thank you. Every time a child asks for something, they can be taught to say it politely like they're not owed something. See, all these behaviors create a mindset. And from the mindset come the behavior. See the loop? Number three, offering their seat to those who need it more. I was taught all this. Children should be taught to offer their seats to others who need it more. Elderly people, pregnant women, disabled people. Nowadays, you open the door for a woman, she gets mad at you because you know masculinity is attacked. But I'm going to continue to do it, ladies, because I was taught to be respectful. I do it for men, too, just so you know. Offering their seat to those that need more, they should do that. I'll go ahead and take my seat. I do it every time the situation presents itself. Number four, taking turns and sharing. 
Boy, people need to learn. I got a little boy, Benai. He's not a single child. I got, th- I think he's got three brothers and sisters, but he's the only one at home. So it's like he's a only child, right? So, but he has to learn when he's with other kids to share. He has to learn uh, that it's not all about him. He has to learn. And those are lessons that most people today don't learn. It's not all about you. Get off yourself, leaders. Rule number one about being a leader. It's not about you. Get off yourself. Number five, answering questions when asked. What a concept. It is the duty of parents to teach your children good manners like answering questions when asked something by others. Sometimes I get my son on this a lot. Sometimes I'll ask him a question. It's like he doesn't even hear me. And then once I say it again, he doesn't hear me. Then I have to yell. Now, amazing, he hears me loud and clear. And I say all the time, man, I don't want to yell to get your attention. I should be able to talk for you to respond to me. I should not have to yell. And when someone asks a question, is proper respect to answer the question. And parents, we got a model. Our kids are watching us. So what you're doing is you're giving permission to the other child. I don't care if you can do whatever you want. That child's watching. Be aware of it. Number six, here's a big one. Say sorry. Say sorry. When you do something wrong, apologize. Or when you make someone feel bad, even if you did something wrong, apologize. Even if you're not wrong, it make, it, it eases thing. It's an icebreaker. And it also causes people to rethink their actions. If it hurts somebody, why would you keep doing it? Teaching manners is easier than giving children consequences. But kids need to understand that there are consequences for their choices. Otherwise, how would they learn to make different choices, right? Number seven, making conversations. Children should be taught how to make conversations with each other, right? This way, children will learn how to make conversation with others, not just kids, but others with parents, with teachers. Do they know how to interact? Do they know how to pause and listen? I'm uh, hitting my son all the time, not physically hitting him, but metaphorically hitting him, that he's got to make it more than about him. Every time he meets somebody, he just goes into an unload, right? I wonder where he gets that from. Number eight, excuse me. Good manners, and part of that saying, excuse me. We should all be taught that we can't just jump cues or barge in. And by saying, excuse me, they'll learn not to interrupt conversations. They can only interrupt conversation in case of emergency by saying, excuse me. Excuse me. Is that your chair? Excuse me. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I mean, again, it's called humility. It's called humbling. These are important things that we used to teach. God says pride comes before a fall. And we are so prideful. We are so offended. The spirit of, of the offense is the bait of Satan. We're so offended. He can't talk to me like that. He can't cut me off. He can't do that. Quit putting yourself first. Learn to be meek. Meek is not weak. Meek is power under control. And number nine, table manners. Teach kids how to eat with a fork, a knife, or a spoon. Teach them how to keep clean. Make sure they they know the quality of food and quantity of food and that there's a cost to it and not to waste. Wipe their mouth, they get dirty. Chew with their mouth closed. All those things that make someone pleasing to be around. So ladies and gentlemen, whatever they are, you don't have to do these nine, but I agree with these nine. These were nine I was taught. These are nine I do my best to teach my kids. I've never listed them out. This is the first time I actually looked at them. I don't disagree with any one of these at all. Just know 
that by the time a child is six years old, the majority of their map reality is in place. If you haven't taught your kids manners and respect and how to interact in a civil way and they're young, then it's going to be a lot harder to teach them when they're older. And so if you don't like the results, change the approach. As you change the approach, you change the results. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what good leaders do. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, master trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.